Hi, I'm Nina Samuels, and apparently you have nothing better to do with your time, so you are listening to the Holy Shoot podcast. Welcome to a special edition of the Holy Shoot Wrestling Podcast. There's been so much positive feedback on our recent interview with Jackie Pratt and her academic studies related to wrestling, so I just wanted to start by saying thank you from the both of us and the rest of the Holy Shoot team. So after Jackie gave us an exclusive version of one of her new songs that she's written for her band Cheap Pop, we at Holy Shoot thought it would be a great idea to pull together the special, the best musical moments of our past episodes into a special companion piece. Um, so we are including some of our highlights from previous episodes. This includes the feature where we first shared the music of Cheap Pop and other great bands who have made albums about wrestling, um, which then led to that recent chat. This was actually the Top of the Chops feature we did back on episode 8, which I think was January 2019, um, where I played some music from these albums and got feedback from some of the rest of the guys and some friends. Um, we also included some not-so-great music on that, which we may include here. Um we also have another chance to hear Jackie's song Mean Gene, which she played last week. Then we also have the B-plus players are back as we revisit their album Yes, where I and songwriter and member of the band Adrian broke down the lyrics and motivation for many of the songs on their second album. Um, we then have the full version of their epic Brothers of Destruction, which is all about Kane and Undertaker, which we talked about on that show, but we never actually played. And they don't, they never play it live due to the complexity and length of the song, so it's going to be cool to hear. Um, and then we end with a lost classic, which I just found after a long search, but more on that later. So first up is the Top of the Chops feature from episode 8 where we talk about the music of Cheap Pop, the B Plus Players, Mega Ran and the Mountain Goats but before we get there we also listen to some truly awful music which some of you may never have heard before from the likes of Hulk Hogan and the rapping Macho Man Randy Savage. So without further ado, here's Top of the Chops. Welcome to Top of the Chops. I'm really impressed with that name I came up with. I think that's a clever little joke there. Stop jacking off to yourself. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Well, um, we're going to be running down the five best wrestling themes albums by actual proper band. Now, before I get to the top five good albums, here's three albums from wrestlers. And these are (laughs) three complete albums. Again, these were by Headline Acts in the WWF or WE at the time. And each is amazing for its own reasons. I'm a little bit scared, Jason. Right. So, <laughs> first entry for this, Hulk Hogan and the Wrestling Boot Camp Band with Hulk Rules. <laughs> now, depend- I think, I, I know so this, so I think some of you might be a bit too young for this one, but this came out in 95. So, 1995, this came out. It oddly didn't include his 1993 hit single, which was a cover of Gary Glitter's Leader of the Gang, which I had on cassette single. <laughs> And for those of you who don't know what a cassette single is, it's what we used to put MP3s on. 
Uh, oh, yeah. Was this before Gary Glitter's accusations? Yeah, this was all before it was no longer allowed to use Leader of the Gang for anything. <laughs> yeah. I, I played the music video earlier and I was like, oh my fucking days, what? <laughs> yeah, so Hulk Hogan had a top 40 hit with that single. Um, and But in general for that, and that's like the obvious we cover on the album, he raps quite a bit. Um, being Hulk, six of the songs on the album refer to Hulk in the title. And one of them is his WCW theme tune. But that's one of the other like four songs that doesn't have the word Hulk in the title. It's like it's pretty crazy when does you he, look at that. Does he perform on all the tracks so on this he album? Some of them. He performs on pretty much all of them in terms of he doesn't really sing, he does like Hulk Hogan talk rapping, a little bit of singing, and he apparently plays bass. Because he, he play, oh. he's, really good, he, he's known as a bass player. Apparently he could have been in Metallica. I mean, I say this as a bass player, but being a bass player is what you do if you're not talented enough to play any other instruments. So you're not talented, Sam? Uh, not really, no. Oh. no. Right. I'm just good at standing at the back and looking sexy. We're going uh, <laughs> to play you a bit of Hulk Hogan, Leader of the Gang. It's not on the album. The best track on the album is actually Hulkster in Heaven, which is... <laughs> you laugh. It's a serious song about a fan that has passed away. And Hulk Hogan sings about how... God in hell, Sam. <laughs> and so he sorry. sings about how this fan won't be there to cheer him on at Wembley anymore. <laughs> It's a British fan Truly Hogan was never booked for Wembley. Yeah, that's, it rhymed with what he was singing about at the time. I'm trying to remember what Wembley rhymed with, but it's, it's on there. Kimberly. Uh, that's, that's maybe deep. the band was called Kimberly. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, I'm sorry but for laughing at the dead then. We have to, we have to play yeah, a bit of Leader of the Gang. How you little Mainly, <laughs> the best thing about Hook Hogan, this whole thing, is Leader of the Gang. The music video is half of it is just him wrestling the great Muta in Japan. Because that's probably all he had the rights to actually using the video. Of course. Guys, what did you think of that? You got to watch the video on YouTube as well, which is widely available. I, I, I'm. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) How? I guess we now know the answer to the question: Can Hulk Hogan sing? And it's definitely no. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Do you want to be? No, I'm not even going to say it. (laughs) Creepy. It's just it kind of suits like a creep would sing a creepy song. Yeah. So you think that was bad? What, what does well, Mike gets, think? What does Mike think? Right, yeah, actually, Mike, get any views on that? I'm almost speechless. That was. It, have you got worse than that? Oh, we're getting, I'm yeah, getting we're, scared. We're getting here. worse. Oh, wow. oh, yeah, there's definitely one worse than that. So, the next one for you is Macho Man with Be a Man. Oh, Macho Man released a rap album. This was during the time when Macho Man was trying to be relevant, still in 2003, when he wasn't really wrestling. Wasn't he in TNA at this point? No, this was before TNA. Oh, this shit. This was like between like anything happening for him. This is the wilderness years. So he was trying to stay relevant, and he was mainly targeting Hulk Hogan in interviews, um, implying that he was gay and calling him out as not a real man. So a lot of the, a lot of the content for this album is about Hulk Hogan. Um, but there's also a bizarre tribute to the late Kurt Henning in Perfect Friend which is worth checking out. Um, I mean, there's nothing good here. It's a terrible record. It's so terrible that you can't turn away from it. Once it's on, you just have to know what's going to happen next. Yeah. 
So I'm going to play for you a little bit of Be A Man. What did you make of that one? Let's start with Broad. Oh, yeah! No. Uh, uh, Was it worse than Hulk? hmm. He tried more. I'll give him that. Um, They're both terrible albums. Uh, Yeah, I just... No, I... I'm now no longer a fan of Randy Savage. (laughs) You ruined my fandom of Randy Savage. How dare you? (laughs) I think Hulk's song was funny bad. Whereas this is just kind of like tragic, bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mike, do you want to add anything quickly before I move on? I liked it. <laughs> hey! So Good on Mike. <laughs> now we're going down the rap genre. I'm going to go to the, the next one. I don't think it's as bad. The next one is not as bad. This is John Cena's You Can't See Me album. Now... This is when John Cena has still had a little bit of edge in 2005, which you may not remember. And this album made 15 in the US Billboard chart. It has actually gone on to sell 1.3 million copies to date. So, oh, so they did that in the first five years. I don't know what it's done since then. Um, that's from what I could find out from the research. I think probably that, still 1.3 yeah, probably million. Yeah, probably 1.3 million after that. Probably not much more. Um, it's actually not as bad as you might have expected. He had some edge to him here. Um, the single Bad, 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 Bad Man, which I'm going to play for you, was fun. And Cena could actually rap a bit while relying on the trademark with the production. And also a guy called Bumpy Knuckles gets on a couple of the songs as well. Um, parental advisory is really important on this one, unless you can find the clean version. You might just want... Might I just want to put this on for your kids if they're Cena fans. I'll just say that. Um, he was able to say fuck and things like that before he was smoothed over to be the corporate face of the company. So here's a little bit of Bad Bad Man. Because you playing the role and you planning the fold. It's the master plan. We got the planet on hold. We all over the streets like your favorite sneaker. Breaking up your sound like a drive-through speaker. Everything that I'll be spitting is strong. After I rock, fast forward through the rest of the song. We the monkey wrench that's going to ruin your plan. And don't fuck with John Cena. I'm a bad so that wasn't as bad as you expected right i mean what did you think of john cena's rap album yeah i thought if someone put that on and they didn't tell me it was john cena because as a smarky fan obviously i hate john cena Oh, that's that, on the album, by the way, his theme tune yeah, from, that, from that era. Well, yeah, it wasn't that bad. He's got good flow. He's, you know, it's not just like Run DMC rhyming the last line, last word of every line. He's like, yeah, not actually complete shit, which is surprising. So, Mike, you're an expert on rap. What did you make of that? <laughs> <laughs> We're all experts on rap, by the way. You know what? I really expected to hate pretty much every song you played here, but I've, I've got to say with that one, I've had an attitude adjustment. Like, oh, nice. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I kind of want to look that Ooh. one up and like it'd be a good one to slip into a playlist. Well, you, can, yeah. you can find his old album on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's easy I, to get hold of. I, um, I've always wanted John Cena to turn heel and come out to this music. That would be pretty, be, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> bad, bad man. Uh, yeah, it's just, um, 
It just goes back to a great time when he wasn't PG and when everyone actually liked him before he was just booked as Super Cena. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't bad. So, moving on to the main event of this particular feature oh. on this episode of Top of the Chops, I will be running down the top five wrestling-themed albums by actual bands. So before I run down this top five, there are some honourable mentions for one-off songs by some actually respectable bands. Honourable mention to the punk band The Razor Ramones. Yes, The Razor Ramones. Clever little wrestling and punk reference there. Um, but there's also some great one-off efforts from bands like 12 Inch Surprise, Tom McGuire and the Brass Holes, <laughs> Bruce Springsteen and Astro Safari USA, each with their own charms. They're worth looking for as well. But moving into the actual full albums that are in my top five. So at number five, the B-plus players. So taking their name from the infamous authority promo on Daniel Bryan. The, these guys hailing from Nova Scotia play a fun brand of punk with a bit of ska and rockabilly. Um, their 2017 album, The Gorilla Position, is full of fun songs to tap your head along to. Nothing too serious here, but they cover these subjects such as the Montreal screw job, um, hot tags in, you know, important hot tags and songs about fighting X-Pac. Uh, my personal favourite, though, the highlight for me is DDP, which actually has a really fun sing-along video on their YouTube channel if you want to check it out. So, guys, what did you make of DDP by the B-plus players? It's fun. Yeah, that's that. pretty much it. That's yeah, a, yeah, I thought it was a fun little song, yeah. The video is quite fun as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. yeah the video is. We're starting nice and light there at number five. Um, moving on to my next numbers, four and three are actually by the same artist. Ooh. Yeah, controversial. So... And we're going to be going into nerdcore rap, which I'm sure we're all experts on. Oh, yeah. So MC Front a lot. Yeah. I don't know if you made that up or if that's real. No, he's a real guy. <laughs> he's a real, he's guy. a real guy, I promise. <laughs> Podcast is already breaking down. So Mega Ran is a nerdcore rapper, perhaps best known for the actual songs he does related to video games. But he has released two wrestling-themed albums, Matt Mania and Matt Mania The Revenge. So, Matt Mania is my personal favourite, which was released in 2016. It features songs about the career of Macho Man, which somehow covers all the best-known moments of Macho Man's career in 3 minutes and 37 seconds. And there's also DDT focusing on the finishing moves and promos of Jake Roberts. Um, there's also newer acts on the album, so he does songs about Bray Wyatt, and there's also The New Day on New Day Raps. On The Revenge, the second album, he, he does tributes to Dusty Rhodes in American Dream, the NWO, and Kevin Owens with KO. He also branches outside of the WWE world and WCW world and does a song about Kenny Omega called Clean You Up. So when you said about The New Day, were they on the record or was it no, just about so them? The, the way it works is he samples 
their actual music or it's a very similar song to their uh, entrance okay. song so we'll play you we can play you new day raps and you'll get an idea for the kind yeah, of stuff yeah. he does i think i've heard his finn, finn balor one which is pretty good yeah. yeah he's done a finn balor one he's done like yeah, so two albums worth of stuff it's all pretty good interview snippets you know promos and actual theme tunes he clearly has a lot of talent in terms of like he gets booked to do a lot of shows and yeah. things like that so um he's easy to find on spotify both albums let's play a little bit of new day raps Better get what they got, cause we coming with a crew And you know they stay hot, tell me what you gonna do Cause we just can't stop, everybody know the new They rock, send me one time Give it to me now A little louder Okay Let's go Excuse me, it's time for the new day Put the pedal to the metal, so clear out the throughway We fly it in Blue Jays, so putting it loose We ain't coming to play, cooking like souffles New day, ain't never been boot day Got gold, got mold, come off like toupees And we get it to stay, champions in the truest form You've been warned, you know match for the unit So I think there's a lot of stuff worth checking out on both albums um, You'll find something, your favourite wrestler's probably on there, hopefully I like the Brock Lesnar one he did Oh, was, that, was, that, was that Bring the Pain? That was on the first album, yeah, I was think. The first, yeah, that was the intro of the first album. I really like that yeah. one. Uh, yeah, I think it's quite fun, actually. I, I like the newest stuff. Well, the stuff with the newest stars, I think, mainly because probably that's my era. Yeah, but. I think it depends what you're into. You might I like some of the sort of stuff, like celebrating Matcha Man's career. It's quite an interesting one to do in three and a half minutes. But he, yeah, he's covered, he does a lot of the newer bands, like the newer bands, the newer wrestlers as well in his songs. So all the remixes that he does of the... Presumably he doesn't just rap over the, the entrance theme or whatever. Are they all kind of done in a similar way to that New Day tune we just heard? Um, that one feels a bit more like tied around the theme tune than some other ones are. But yeah, other ones... Yeah, they always, they always have the sort of the start you'd know, and then it's, it's staying very close to it, but it was okay, extended cool. for a whole song, and there's like you're going to deviate from there. Yeah, yeah, because I really like like the Game Boy chip tune-y kind of bleep bloop sound. So <laughs> if the rest <laughs> of his bleep. stuff has that, yeah, it's great, good stuff. No, that's a real technical musical. It, term. it is a musical, term, <laughs> and, that's, yeah. and that makes complete sense because he did New Day. The gamers put the game noises in there as well. He, he knows what he's doing, and up, up, down, down, and all that good stuff. Yeah, so. That's quite a fun out couple of albums, both worth checking out. My number two, take the more serious tone. So um, the Mountain Goats released Beat the Champ in 2015. This is a quality indie folk album. This leans towards subjects such as the Southern Terries and Mexican wrestling themes from the old days. Um, it works on a couple of levels. There's a lot of songs. Actually, if you looked at it, it could be about death, and he makes references to relationships to his parents. It's got a couple of levels to it. But there's a song on here called The Legend of Chava Guerrero, all about Chava Guerrero Sr. or classic, depending how you know him. Um, he actually came out and so did Chavo Jr. have expressed their love for this song. And it's one of the more like, accessible songs on the album. Um, there's Stabbed to Death Outside San Juan. This is a reference to the murder of Bruiser Brody. It's an actual terrible event that happened. And this is a really somber song that hints at what was going on this night in a really skin-crawlingly sparse way. It just creeps along. It sort of really gets to you. Werewolf Gimmick is another favourite. It's about a crazy man who's living his gimmick as a crazy man. When I hear the song, I think of Dean Ambrose. Unhinged Dean Ambrose would do this gimmick where he just believes he's now a werewolf and starts biting wrestlers and fans. <laughs> okay. Um, there's Hair Match, which is a dark little ditty about the humiliation of losing your hair in the middle of the ring. Um, some great stuff on here really worth checking out so i'm going to play for you the legend of chava guerrero one of the more accessible songs on the album born down in el paso where the tumbleweeds blow to the middleweight champ of all mexico dad fought many 
many bloody battles, and he raised four sons. Chavo was the oldest one. Old man Gory could pop like a live grenade. Raised his boys in the way of the trade. Hector and Mondo, young Eddie G. Chavo meant the most to me. Look high, it's my last hope. Sam, I believe you already are a fan of this album, so I'll just get your quick yeah, views on it. The, sorry, the Mountain Goats are fantastic. I think, unlike a lot of albums about wrestling music, this is kind of actually about being a wrestler, what it means to be part of the industry, the kind of the the behind-the-scenes intrigue and, and that kind of thing, rather than like Mega Rant. I'm not saying it's like that his music was bad, but that's more about like being in the ring and winning matches and being a badass and stuff. Whereas this album touches on kind of the reality of what it's actually like to be on the road all the time, you know, never seeing your family and, and sort of, uh, yeah, being part part of the business, I guess. Mm. Right. Great. Additional thoughts, Broad. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, uh, surprisingly serious. I wasn't expecting (laughs) that from wrestling music and it was, uh, yeah, it's really well done for the subject matter. Mike? Yeah, I'm learning a lot here. There's a song written about the stabbing of Bruce Brody. Um, Mike's uh, mind is blind. <laughs> it, it totally is. Um, I, I actually like, you know, the same as Sam's going, that they're they're talking about real events. Not They're not trying to make it funny. They're trying to say the, the real stuff that's happened. You know, that was a, a, a big thing that happened in the world of wrestling. There was a lot leading up to it, and there's actually repercussions still going on today. Um yeah, I really like that whole idea. We'll listen to that. So, yeah, and if you're someone like Mike who's learning a lot here, we're probably in that. I've put together a little Holy Shoot Wrestling Songs playlist on Spotify, so we can post that on, on Twitter and on the social accounts. So yeah, people yeah, can come let's across put it on it. Facebook as well. We'll let everyone come across it. It'll be the highlights of what we talked about, so you can then go and find the whole albums. Yeah. Right, but my number one, um, as much as I love Beat the Champ, I've gone for a lesser-known band called Cheap Pop and their album In Gorilla. So... It's probably a more enjoyable album to get into. It's a great psych-up album for me. I think it's something I listen to in the gym a lot. I can imagine it being a great thing to listen to on your way to a wrestling event. It's something I'm going to be making the guys listen to when we're going to WrestleMania. I think that morning it's going to be a good album to put on and really get into the mood for it. Um, it was released in 2016. It's a punk album. It's a proper, enjoyable, like punky album. Nothing too heavy or like hardcore in it, but something you can really enjoy. But it means it's got a little bit of like grit to it as well. Mm. Um, lead singer Jackie Prattworth really suits the material. I'm a bit of a sucker for a, like a female vocal over a punk song. Just something about it. It works as a combination for me. So some of the subject matter that they go with. So you've got WrestleMania 3. It's a Ramones-esque song about the entire card of WrestleMania 3. <laughs> so it's like an historical br- like breakdown of this record-breaking event. There's a Daniel Bryan Danielson, an ode to the American Dragon, talking about his beard and those badass moves that he would do. You've got great romances in Federation history. As it says, a song about the great relationships of the likes of Liz and Savage. Um, lines such as, because you've elbow dropped my heart, really worked for me. <laughs> um, then there's my favourite on the album is Double Turn. It's a song about one of the greatest matches and feuds of all time. So with Bret Hart and Stone Cold working towards their WrestleMania 13 match. It's about how they did the near impossible in this match of the double turn. 
Um, it really, I think they really captured the emotion of this match. I remember watching this back in the day. It's actually a really important moment when you look at what maybe started the Attitude Era, depending on how you define it. There's lots of talk about Austin was already getting over, you know, King of the Ring, yeah, that happened, but they didn't, they didn't start pushing him. It wasn't until this feud with Bret Hart where it got really emotional. And this is what the Attitude Era was really about. It was about the shades of grey. It wasn't black and white anymore. It wasn't about vulgarity and chair shots. It was about the grey in between of like who was a good guy or a bad guy. And the guys really captured this on this song. Um, they talk about how Bret Hart really needed to tap Austin out. He needed it down to his core. While Austin, because after Austin repeatedly cost him title matches, he was right in what he was doing. But Austin also couldn't tap out. He had to prove that he was tough and he was going to be a big star. So, you know, they, they talk about how the blood flowed down Austin's face and Brett laid in everything that he had. And in the moment, everything changed. I think it's a great reference they make yeah. in the song. So, I think mean, some... Some would argue that, like I said, Austin had already started his rise, but I think this match started it, and yeah, the guys cover it. It's a pretty raucous song, but it's my favourite, and the whole album's enjoyable. So, I'm going to play you guys a clip from their album, one of the songs, my favourite, Double Turn. See what you think. You guys seem to enjoy that, Sam? Yeah, I, I mean, we only had time to listen to a short clip there, but I definitely want to hear more of that band. I, I'm a big fan of punk music anyway, and I thought that was really, really good. Yeah, very excited to hear more. I played quite a bit on Spotify. They're really good. I think my favourite one is uh, JBL's Flask. It's a great song about how drunk JBL would be during pay-per-views, or at least how he came across. I, I, I mean, I miss Bradshaw as a commentator. I can say that because Chen's not here. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it's controversial, but yeah, I really like that one. I also like Faces of Ment. I think it's a very interesting way of critiquing a show by song as well. So, uh, yeah, I think they're a really good band. Mike, will you be checking that one out as well? I'll definitely be adding it to my ever-expanding list of things to listen to. Um, yeah, the little cool. bit I did just listen to, like the way it sounds. Yeah, so it's worth check out Cheap Pop. They are on Spotify and on Bandcamp, so they're easy to get hold of and listen to that album. Definitely worth checking out and adding to your playlists. And they're my number one. Oh. It's a good name for a wrestling team band as well, I think. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Next up, a chance to hear once again the exclusive acoustic version of Mean Gene that Jackie played on last week's episode and that will be coming out at some point soon in full cheap pop punk rock mode. Well, why don't I do this? Let me grab my guitar and I have a song about Mean Gene that has been quietly sitting uh, in the catalog for a couple of years, played it at a couple shows live. Um, and 
Uh, now, unfortunately, that he's no longer with us, um, I feel like it's it, it, it needs to be it needs to be out there. It needs to be heard. Cool. If you want to grab your guitar, yeah, yeah. we'll do that. Sounds Just good. a moment. Can't fail with Mean Gene by my side. He's my backstage interview guide. Know my friend Mean Jean will take it away. Can't crash with Mean Jean at the wheel. He makes sure everything is real. So when I get mixed up, don't know where to go. As always comes Mean Jean to continue the show. Next up, we go back a couple of months to the interview I did with the B-plus players, where we went through some of the songs on their new album, Yes, which you can find on Spotify and everywhere else. Um, worth saying here, this is one of those episodes where Chris, our producer, worked his magic, similar to the Top of the Chops episode, where he did some great little editing of these clips for you to enjoy. CM Punk's directly what got me back, but the, the storyline that made me feel so strongly about creating this life of this band is was Dan, definitely daniel bryan yeah so yeah I, I like the song it's a real good starting sort of tune yeah, nice. it's definitely definitely a cool one um do you have a favorite di- like daniel bryan match like honestly just that whole lead up the uh the, the cage match with bray wyatt like that moment when he turns face after on top of the cage like just so much feeling though like also uh, i think it was SummerSlam 2013 against cena yeah, uh, I'm not sure what year it was, but it was definitely SummerSlam. I think that might be my favorite Daniel yeah. Bryan match because of... he wins and then Orton catches in the, the briefcase, uh, Triple H turning, whatever. Um, again, it's just I felt so much in that moment. Like it was so much disappointment, but it was so much feeling. Like WWE made me feel something, which is yeah. I love. 
And then we had what eight months or whatever of them trying to make us not want Daniel Bryan. Yeah, but damn it, exactly. the Yes Movement was not going to get forgotten <laughs> about, which this song kind of goes through, really. The second song is AJ Styles, which is a tongue-in-cheek love song to AJ, I guess. <laughs> Have you guys stopped thinking about AJ Styles yet? Um, I Maybe a little bit. <laughs> That's a key line from this song. I, mean, <laughs> I enjoyed it because I think, again, I like clever little wordplay and like yeah. insider references. So there's references to soccer mum hair, asking if fe- like Festus is cool, talking about wearing a ring of honour. There's a lot of like cool little tongue-in-cheek moments here who wrote that one uh joel definitely wrote that one and when he showed it to me i was in i was absolutely in love and it took us forever to actually start playing it live because he's obsessed with the harmonies and like getting it right getting it perfect so yeah that that was my favorite time he ever sent me a demo and i just got to listen to it in my bed and just like just over and over again to pick apart every single lyric that that's essentially how me and joel got together as like a partnership essentially is because we're both obsessed with making every lyric count. And I think talking about that one, um, it came out on Valentine's Day as well. So you timed that one quite well. Yeah. So <laughs> I think what I really liked about it is um so when I was younger, I had I'm not a proper musician, but I've got friends that are real musicians and they can write proper songs and everything like that. And we went on holiday and just decided to write an album and wrote some terrible songs. And it was an overall concept. But I did. A, I wrote the lyrics for Wrestling With My Heart, which okay. is about these two wrestlers that are in love. And it's about the relationship. Where one of them just has really low self-esteem and just did lots of little wordplay on that, the wrestling stuff. And it's a kind of like a Bruce Springsteen slow song when one of the, when the guys actually recorded it. Because then after writing it all for like about a week on holiday, we then like recorded the whole thing for a week while just drinking lots of alcohol back at their <laughs> place. So I think when I heard the AJ one, it's like, I remember writing some something like this when i was younger it amused me quite a lot for that reason yeah and the, the thing about aj is like he there, there, there's the in the rumor mill that he might be a little bit homophobic so the the concept of writing a love song for the homophobic guy like sure we respect his work but we also want to poke fun at him a little bit he's, he's a very good christian republican exactly. that has certain connotations to it i think yeah I don't know anything ever said, definitely. I'm sure he's quite a chill guy, but he's just there's definitely that gonna be those sort of suspicions, I guess. Who's the new guy at the top of the ramp making his rumble debut? IWGP champ. He was making waves and taking names in Japan, but I could tell right away I'd be his number one. Good. I hope our styles don't clash. I dig the hood and I'm feeling 
Another favourite of mine, again, because it's quite insider with Mean Mark. Yeah. Um, is it me? This is a really grungy song, especially with the chorus. Am I getting that right? It just felt like I was like, it's like, oh, they're sort of playing on Nirvana grunge of that chorus. Yeah. Like, that that's the only song that Michael, our our second guitar player, has written for the the band. So like, it the the best thing about this is now we have three songwriters, and Coleman can write songs too. And but just putting in a different thing, like none of us expected him to do that. And he just said, here's a new song. We're like, this is great. Sounds nothing like anything else. And this is awesome. Um, that song specifically is actually, it, it was born as a tweet. Um, after WrestleMania 33, the presumes Undertaker's last match, I put out a tweet that said, um, it was a, a picture of um, Mark Calloway before he became a wrestler. And... I imply that like um, Mark Calloway, a Houston, Texas man has been missing for the last 33 years and presumed dead. Um, and he's finally emerged after all this time. And like it, it became a viral hit. Like it was my, my only viral, like really viral tweet. And it was like, like thir- like 3000 retweets and stuff like that. Oh, cool. It's a lot so, of retweets. Yeah. <laughs> and even uh, what's his face? Uh, Brock Lesnar guy. He 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 tried to steal my tweet. He made it into a meme, and I wasn't so I'll forever hate that guy. But so uh, Mike sees this tweet and just like whatever, and decides to write the the origin story of whatever happened to Mean Mark. Like, sure, he became the Undertaker, but like with the idea of like whatever happened to that guy, like with the concept that the Undertaker just never existed. Um. What I think this ties into what the thing I was saying about this is it's like a history lesson on pre-Undertaker Mark Calloway. Yeah. Do you find people ever come up to you and say, because of you, I learned some history, you know, I learned something from your songs? Yeah, absolutely. Like, especially people who don't know much about wrestling, like just, yeah. Yeah. And as somebody who doesn't know much at all would listen to one of our songs and know some stuff that a lot of other wrestling fans don't even know about. Yeah, and I think I get it because I'm one of the older wrestling fans in my group. I'm 36, but I think the youngest <laughs> in our group is 20. Yeah. In terms of that's like the age range. So sometimes someone asks a question, you're like, how do you not know that? But then you realize, <laughs> oh, you weren't born. Oh, okay, right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot. We like we we do the pay-per-views every month. And there's there's always new people cycling in. We're like, just our friends were getting into it. So they have no idea. And it's just so much fun to explain everything to them. <laughs> So, how many do you do pay per view replays? Like, do you get quite a few people together for those? Uh, yeah, um, absolutely. Anywhere between like four and we probably had like 16 people here before. Yeah, that's quite cool. Um, the reason I mentioned it is because, um, so this podcast, Holy Shoot, is affiliated with the Watch Wrestling London meetup group that I run. And yeah. um, it's somehow become the largest meetup group in Europe. It could be potentially in the world in terms of meetup users. The New York one is bigger, but less people turn up to their events. So I'm always interested when someone talks about doing a pay-per-view replay, if it's, even if it's in their home or in a bar. Yeah. We get we get anything from, say, 20 to 45 people together in a bar on a Monday night, and we watch pay-per-view replays. And it's so much fun when you get a group put together, especially when there's new people that come in and you sort of, oh, what's your level of knowledge? And some of them are insanely, like, historically, like, clued up. And some people just seem to be like, oh, I've just been watching for the last couple of years. Yeah. And it's amazing the range you get from people. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think I saw um, on your Facebook page. Do you have? You actually have a. You have like a, a pay per view championship belt. We do. Yes. <laughs> How does so, someone win that? Um, we have a, a list. It's essentially uh, Reddit does one of these too, but I make my own of just like who wins each match. You get two points for that. Uh, you get a point for the finish. You get a point for the bonus. And that's anything, anything interesting that happens in the match, like often blood, table spots, run-ins, whatever. And for Elimination Chamber, it gets ridiculous. You have to pick the order and like who gets eliminated in what order. Uh, but over the last four years, there's only been seven champions. So it, it's it, we, Anna just became the new champion this week for the first time. So <laughs> she was pretty excited about that. What the reason I asked about that is because we similar thing. Um, we've got a friend of the, of the show, I guess he's been on the show before, Mike, and he does this for our group. And there's about twenty of us in this league, and yeah. we used to just do like per event. And now he's got a running league. He's actually he actually works for a bookies, so he understands all the betting as well. So oh, he he's made it rather complicated. Where it used to just be who wins which match, yeah. And now he does it, and there's all these other things like okay, who gets the pin? Does such and such happen? And it becomes really complex. So you really <laughs> got to think about it. So it, it, it makes it more fun when you're watching the replay when you're like, oh, God, I'm really invested now. Yeah. Oh, that's the thing. That, that's why I love doing it, because even if, if it's a crap match, you, like if if you predict the person you don't want to win is going to win, you're excited. And if they if the person you like wins, then you're excited. So everybody wins. It's definitely a way to make the show more fun. <laughs> I'll have to actually. Um, I will send you like an example of what how in depth he does his. Okay. And I could I could potentially send it to you whenever we have a pay per view. He does this now, and he manages the whole thing. And it, it might give you some ideas for how to run your one. Some additional <laughs> suggestions. Oh, sorry. Anyway, back to the music. Actually, <laughs> so like we went, went off on a tangent there. Um, so me and Mark on the Mark Calloway theme. I also really like Brothers of Destruction. Yeah. And um, I don't know if it's because I've been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption <laughs> and I've recently completed it, but it means I've been really loving that soundtrack. Okay, so this yeah. one appealed to me a lot because it's definitely got that classic Western style to it. Yeah. Um, it made it really cool for me. Um, what inspired like the choice here of genre? Uh, I, I, I actually wrote that one. And I, well, you look at Undertaker and he looks like a cowboy, essentially. Like either whether he's American badass or whatever, like he, the, 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 the dark shadow with like the, I, I don't know if it's a cowboy hat, but he just, he looks like a cowboy. So uh, a dreary song about this guy. And then I named it brothers of destruction. Like, ah, oh, crap. I got to put Kane in there too now. <laughs> just cause I, I like, I wrote the chorus before I wrote the song and it's essentially ghost riders in the sky. If you know that song. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's essentially like it's taking that feeling and putting it on the brothers of destruction. So the song itself actually ended up being a lot longer than I intended because I, cause I get to the points where I introduce the undertaker and then I talk about how Kane debuts and like, ah, oh, crap. Now I actually have to talk about them like as a tag team. And then I wrote about the streak and stuff like that. I'm like now it's six minutes long. That's the longest song I've ever written. <laughs> Yeah, because you guys are normally like two, three minute exactly. type songs, and then it's a yeah. six minute epic almost <laughs> on the album. That barely changes at all. But it's, it's it's but you get the history, like you're learning something, you're listening to a story, so it doesn't like I like it. Yeah, I mean what, again, it's, it's the history lesson and the storytelling that happens. Text. 
wasn't going to go too much into the bug with a brain song, but that feels like that's a new wave style, like yeah. new wave pop punk. And that made me think, like, I was building on that question of matching genres to characters and eras. So I thought, okay, mean Mark. That was kind of around the time that grunge would have been happening. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, Bob with the Brain, what, 80s coming up, new wave made sense. Is there that kind of logic going on or am I seeing too much? Um, absolutely. It's probably more self-conscious, like subconscious than anything. But absolutely. Again, with I, I wrote that song. I wrote the chorus. Bobby the Brain, Bobby the Brain. And I'm thinking Devo. And I'm thinking weird. It's, it's actually a ripoff of Weird Al's ripoff of Devo is what that song a is. A ripoff of a ripoff. Yeah, so the song Dare to be Stupid is kind of where my brain was at. And when I got the keyboard guy to put the keys down, I said, like, it's Dare to be Stupid. And then he he put in, like, a subtle reference in there. I'm like, it's, this is perfect, man. I really appreciate this. So, yeah, it's never probably the mission to make the songs appropriate to the performer as much as it just happens because that's where our brains go. I want to talk about one more song in particular on the album, um, Suplex City. Um, oh. It's like a slower, more reflective song, and it has one of my favorite lines in terms of here, bust you open hard way, the lovable scamp. <laughs> the sc- scamp was like a very English word. I don't know how popular that is in North America. That's why I think I liked it so much. I never say it, but yeah, Joel wrote that one as well. And you, you can just kind of see his like mind frame of kind of like poking the bear a little bit, just like calling you would never go to Brock Lesnar and say you're a lovable scamp to his face. But if you're behind a microphone, you might take a little jab. <laughs> Especially after in the reference in this is to Randy Orton and just actually smashing his head open with his elbow and <laughs> it were not being sure if it was a work or a shoot, what was going on there and be like, yeah. are you a lovable scamp? <laughs> <laughs> there was a time, there was a place you couldn't look around without seeing Brock Lesnar's face. Was a mixed martial artist since he double champ. He'll bust you wide open, hard way. What a lovable scam! Isn't it a pity? And now, Suplex City. Up next, uh, the song that Adrian was talking about in that last segment, the full six-minute version of Brothers of Destruction. Had a 
side of flair to show the world his greatness by defeating the Hulk. Big boss man, Mark 
So up next, something none of you will have ever heard before. Um, I, in the past, would write some really silly little songs with some friends of mine that were actually talented musicians. Um, next is the demo we recorded many years ago of the song that I wrote called Wrestling With My Heart. And then Niall and Joel Quinn, the actual musicians of the group, wrote a song around it. Apologies for the lo-fi quality of this, it's very much a demo, but I just wanted to include it because we're talking about music and I remember enjoying writing this with my friends back in the day. When I shout, you have to sing At MSG it's always you be in the Oh, 
And to end this musical episode, I think we have to go with one of Jackie's favourite songs that she talked about as well when we were interviewing her previously um, on last week's episode. This is WrestleMania 3, which is a rather clever attempt to work through the entire WrestleMania 3 card as a kick-ass song. Um, We'll end on this note, and we will be back soon with a new wrestling challenge, and we look forward to having you join us then.